The Start On Demand. On demand. A young Winnipeg hockey player was recently badly injured in an MMJHL game, paralyzed from the waist down. A GoFundMe page was started. Over $165,000 had been raised as of Monday morning. We'll speak with the young man's father on the start. We'll also speak with the president of the Down Under Club, which is a group of Australians now living in Manitoba, who of course are now all watching with worry at what is going on back home with all of those bushfires. And we'll get a recap of the Golden Globes. All those celebrities gathered, but do you even know the shows they're on? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Monday, January 6th podcast for The Start. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Good morning, guys. Good morning. This is like my first full week in a long time. I had a Monday that was a Friday <laughs> last week. That was an odd circumstance. Did you only work the one day last week? Well, well, I worked three days last week. Oh, yeah. But I had two days off in a row. Yeah. So Friday morning was like a Monday morning, but then I had the added, added bonus of having the weekend off. Mm-hmm. So here we are, five-day work week. The kids go back to school today. You think we're having a tough time adjusting. Oh, boy. I think it's going to be uh, not so much fun in a lot of households in Winnipeg this morning trying to get their kids out of bed. Good luck, husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even tougher outside the city because, you know, kids in the country usually have to get up earlier to catch the bus. That's right. So yeah. good Longer luck to days. you all. Oh, I kept saying to the boys last night, you remember that you get up like 6.30, right? Like go to bed. Can we have another snack? Can we sleep together? How about a show? Can I play a video game? No. I All day is over. I stayed up to watch the Golden Globes last night, and that was a that ended up being a mistake because when my alarm went off this morning, I said, "Nope, not happening." And then uh, I just kept hitting snooze. And after I finally turned off my alarms, like just disabled them, I fell back asleep for a few minutes, and thankfully I woke up. Oh my! Uh, and that that was enough to jolt me out of bed <laughs> in a sheer panic because I was kind of like, "Oh my God, did I sleep in? What time is it?" Oh, okay. But I was way behind. And just ended up having a rush here, and I hate that. That's a terrible feeling. You feel like everything is off. Yeah, because I don't drink coffee, too. So I, like, I, my alarm goes off at 2, which mm-hmm. is probably too early, but I like to wake up and just kind of slowly wake up. I take a long shower, and uh, today that did not happen. So I look for signs in my morning. So today I drove through the downtown to avoid the deer. And uh, <laughs> I took, uh, Saint, is it St. Mary that has the one way going west? Yep to get over to Portage and every light, like, you know, when they synchronize and it's green and then it's another green and it's green and I just kept going and going. And I was like, today's your day, Loren. Like it's happening. And so I feel like it's going to be a good day. How long did you have to wait though when you got to Portage? Oh, well I do a little right, left U-turn situation there. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. No, Zero again, patience No, now. no. I get to that light. I look over, I see the pedestrian walk sign is still flashing with zero people in sight. I go right to go left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that too. Actually, when I because sometimes I'll, I'll sometimes I go through downtown, or and then uh, or not downtown town. I guess sometimes I go up Osborne Broadway, Portage, Polo Park. But mm-hmm. other times I drive through River Heights and go over Up Academy, over the St James Bridge. And when I get to St James and Ness, I always turn right and then just go in through the parking lot rather than sit there and wait to turn left. Because sometimes I can be in my parking spot before that light turns green. Mm-hmm. 
It is the longest light on earth at then at four in the morning. Yeah, Why? I don't mind. And I, I get it during the day. There's lots of people around. I don't want to circumvent. But but when you look around and like it's like crickets, you can hear them and you're the only one there and there's zero people in sight. And, and it's not illegal. Well, I know back in the, anyway. in the milkman days. <laughs> I don't know about yours, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were there were red lights. I knew I was hitting. There was no question I was hitting. Just like on the way in, I know all the traffic like patterns, so I don't get worked up when I hit them. But every once in a while, I'd get this notion: I think I should just go. And of course, whenever I would move that foot from the brake. Over the accelerator, I would look over, and there'd be a there'd be a police car. Really? Oh yeah, almost every time. I can't get away with anything. So wow. So I just you know just whatever will be will be. Did you ever get pulled over? No, because I never did the illegal oh. thing. Whenever I thought about it, there was always the black and white mm. conscience just to my right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. Hey, if you have, if there's a spot in the city where you end up having to make that kind of a maneuver, let us oh, know. Oh, yes. 204-780-6868. Also today, <clears throat> you know, we're going to have some fun talking about the Golden Globes, and, but we're also, you know, we have to talk about some pretty serious stuff, including this young hockey player who suffered a devastating injury. Uh, the first thing I thought, so the email went out and Kelly Moore's... <clears throat> Uh, really connected to the hockey community and he sent the note out over the weekend just saying this GoFundMe page has been started for this teen who played for Victoria Generals. Um, is that the right name? And I Save Vitale Victorias. Victorias. Yep. And um, that he had hurt himself in just a freak accident and is paralyzed. And so it just makes you think of all the things you do in life and take for granted a simple hockey game or, you know, playing on the, in the snow or skiing or snowboarding and then to have that happen. And so, yeah, that, that one really hit home, I think, for a lot of people, whether you're a mom or dad or, or play any sport. A massive change for that family and uh, they're they're reaching out and uh, the community is really stepping up here. Over $164,000 raised a GoFundMe page set up uh, for Reese Kettler, his family and we're hoping to speak to Reese's dad later on this morning. Uh, I think there are a, a multitude of, of factors that may play into whether or not we hear from Trevor Kettler this morning or not, but uh, we're really hoping to speak to him and and uh, convey our concern and our support for him and his family and to Reese. So uh, Reese spoke out uh, via the GoFundMe page this weekend saying that, that this money is going to, you know, obviously change and, and help his transition to his, his new reality. And so uh, just kudos to everyone who stepped up to, to try and help out. Kling, McGarry, McNabb, Tristan Field-Jones is here, in for Jeff Braun. How many days are you in for Braun this week there, TFJ? Uh, just today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. All right. And Braun's back Thursday, or is the Yes, co- he should be back Thursday, and then I'm filling in for another shift later this week, and then I'm not sure what's going on. Tristan has, never really knows what's going on. Kelly Moore knows what's going yeah. on, though. He joins us now as well, uh, along with Jeff Forte. And so, Greg, you, this was... How did this come about, what we're about to discuss? Well, you know, uh, every morning we try and decide what we're going to talk about, having coffee, talking. But I think a lot of our attention was maybe scattered over the last several days because there have been so many big stories in the news mm-hmm. around the world. And then, of course, in the sporting world, it's been uh, nonstop 
entertainment action to consume. And so we have a variety of different interests in our group. So I thought I'd just kind of throw it out and say, hey, what were you guys paying attention to this weekend? So TFJ, since you get maligned, bothered, and uh, cajoled here, why don't you uh, take the floor first? Uh, what was what had your attention this weekend? The, uh, the Australian wildfires, no question. Um, and part of it was I couldn't help but being reminded, especially seeing some of the stuff on social media of the Fort McMurray wildfires. Um, it, it just was so reminiscent, you know, pictures and, and videos of people driving through hell, essentially. Um, and then just today, the story breaking of, you know, they're sending crews to go euthanize animals. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's just horrific and not exactly the way you want to start a Monday morning. But I, I think to me, what the what those wildfires remind us of, especially on a weekend when there's, you know, the Golden Globes and the Consumer Electronics Show, I think this story is is important to keep top of mind because it reminds us that, by the way, there are very important and crucial things happening that should not be ignored, even though they may not be as flashy as Ricky Gervais making funny jokes at the Golden and Globes. And what's crazy about that is that we just played that story about the Manitoba firefighters going to help. Mm-hmm. They've already, they've already, we've already had some there in December, and one of the firefighters was talking about how Caddy Lake was the biggest fire he had ever responded to a few years ago. And I'm not putting down that fire. It was mm-hmm. big. It was it was, it was was scary for a lot of people with cottages and homes in the area. But then you put that on the scale yeah. to what Australia yeah. is going through, exactly. and you just think, my God, we have no idea about how big this, how big and bad and dangerous all these things can get. The correlation I heard this morning is the equivalent of West Virginia has burnt. So it, when you can put it in mm-hmm. in that They said text, like a country the size of Belgium or Switzerland. Right. Like it's, when you can put uh, it in context like that, it is uh, clearly on a massive scale. Kelly? Well, I feel guilty now because I was totally consumed by sports. That's, that's okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, oh, that's, <laughs> no, no. Totally hey, we all dabbled in that, too. Come on. Oh, the World Juniors thrilling game. Oh, Just well, thrilling. Yeah. And, and it was such a different type of weekend because Saturday, the Canadians had that great start against the Finns. They had, what, three goals in the opening four minutes, and it was pretty well over and done with by then. And then you have that incredible final uh, involving Canada and Russia, and of course there were the NFL playoff games. I also spent part of the weekend at Wayne Fleming Arena. I did color for Mitch Peacock on the two uh, Winnipeg Ice Prince Albert Raider uh, contests. So yeah, I was I was pretty well all in on sports, but I was paying attention as well to some other things. Uh, certainly the wildfires, certainly uh, uh, some of the comments about how Donald Trump uh, handled things in Iran, and close to home here. Uh, we reported on this when it happened. The young St. Vitell victorious hockey player, Reese Kettler, who suffered a broken neck uh, in a game December the 19th, well, they launched a GoFundMe page for him Friday right around the supper hour. The last time I checked, it was right around $160,000 had been raised on his behalf. They have a goal of 250000 so uh, that's doing really well. And I, and I was keeping a pretty close eye on that as well. Forte, who are you dialed into this weekend? Well, Friday, actually, I did not pay attention to any news. I hung out with my friends, went out for a walk, you know, just chilled out. It was good. Actually, we didn't, we didn't, yeah, we didn't watch any TV at all. We listened to music uh, for hours, so. Really? Yeah, and uh, then Saturday, you know, I just took it easy, kind of trying to improve my cooking skills. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, it wasn't really cooking. I made bruschetta. Bruschetta? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it, it, it would be good, but I added too much garlic, and I'm telling you, I had garlic bre- breath for, like, Three, four hours. It was terrible. <laughs> Good thing you're a bachelor. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. And then uh, yesterday, you know, just hung around. Uh, of course, you can't really escape uh, social media and all the 
Australia fires. And did you guys see the satellite images? Yeah. Oh, it's horrific. So, um, I, well, and I was just going to say, along those lines, has anyone actually confirmed whether or not that stuff is is true? Because unfortunately, there's a ton of fake uh, imagery. Yeah, being well, circulated. I, I saw like two different, and I, I don't know which one is real, which one's fake. Maybe they're both fake. The one know. that was taken at night uh, from NASA. Yeah, is that I saw the one. From the I saw ISS, that one, yeah. Yes, but I also saw one that uh, was daylight as well. But uh, if right. it comes from a NASA account, it's going to be true. But you're right; there are things that are going yeah. around, Tristan, that are hard to hard to take in, right? And so, yeah, I I list I paid attention to all those things, but also if you checked my history on my Google on my phone, there was a lot of how to get your kids back into a routine <laughs> and, <laughs> and also lunch ideas. I was, was like, it was too like late. I was back on day one lunches, and I was like, oh god. Like I'm already, it's four chase bruschetta. I should, I should put Jeff in charge because oh it's God, like. Oh God, could I you just, imagine a bunch of kids with that garlic breath? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How much well, garlic did you use? I only used well. What are they? Uh, clothes? Is that yeah. what they're called? I used two, just two small, and but I, I also didn't make a big batch. It was just me, so. I think that sounds mm. good. Garlic is good. Should we have a taste testing session? Do you want to you want to try making those again, oh, Jeffrey? No. And you don't want to taste that. <laughs> so, Loren, when it comes to mapping out the lunches, then is it is it that important, or is it important to have the sort of a map? Well, like- here's what happened yesterday. We with kids at a hockey game. And uh, the youngest finishes the game. And I had said, we're going into the city after to get organized and go to the grocery store and get some things because you're back at it tomorrow. So we're going to be, everybody give me their top three things and we'll work to try to get some of that in your lunches. And then as we're driving down the highway, we turned on the World Junior game. And I thought, I said, oh my God, I thought this was over by now, but you know, in the window. And I realized I had the time difference wrong. And honestly, at the exact same time, my husband and I look at each other and we're like, this can wait, right? Like we can do this another day. And I was like, so we turned around, headed back home so we can finish <laughs> watching the game. So we're not prepared. I don't even know what went into their lunch this morning. Like we had it's we not just your problem. scraps. And once again, good luck, husband. Yeah, it's not your problem whatsoever. Here's a box of Ritz crackers, kids. <laughs> Cheese crackers, some mystery meat, and away you go. <laughs> I was uh, largely unplugged uh, for much of the weekend, Loren, because I said I had to get through season one of The Witcher on Netflix. I had four episodes of that, four and a half episodes of that on Friday, and then I had six episodes of season two of you, mm-hmm. because you recommended so fiercely that I finish it, so I did, so that was essentially my entire Saturday. And? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. The Witcher is okay, you is excellent, so I highly recommend that show if you're looking for something different, and then uh, Sunday is where I slowly started to reassert myself into the world, so to speak. Well, we cleaned the fridge yesterday, that was an adventure. Oh, fun. I'll tell you that. Oof. Searching for best before dates and oh. expiry dates. and Did you find anything suitable for a science project? No, fortunately not. How about McNabb's kids for lunch? <laughs> yeah, right. oh, we're all set. <laughs> Jackie and I went to Costco on Friday. We're all set up for the week. So if you want our menu for I suppers, at least take, for this honestly, week. Honestly, I'll take anybody's ideas. It's uh, farmer sausage and pierogies for supper tonight. Nice. We've oh, got lots if you, you know, if you want to come over. I'll just over. swing by. I'm sure everybody would yeah. love that. Absolutely. With a touch of garlic. Yeah. Yeah. You got any- there you go. Greg Mackling, for a sports fan, this was well, a pretty good weekend. Yeah, not bad at all. I admit to being hunkered down on the couch for the better part of yesterday, but it was out in a boat on Saturday, so I wasn't able to take in everything I wanted to. 
We'll talk about the Jets game in St. Paul in just a moment. But yesterday's gold medal game, Kelly Moore is with us. And Kelly, Joel Hofer, what a story. The Winnipegger who came into the World Junior tur- Tournament, essentially as Canada's backup goaltender, and uh, took over the starting job and ran with it. Canada coming back from that 3-1 deficit in the third period yesterday. It was a gutsy performance against a team they had lost 6 nothing to in the preliminary round. Yeah, and, and it was a whale of a hockey game, too. Both teams brought their A game uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, and, and it's kind of interesting, Joel Hofer, we, we, he is a Winnipegger. His parents still live here, but he played very little of his amateur hockey in Winnipeg. He went to the pursuit of excellence in Kelowna as a young man and then went on to play for Swift Current in the Western Hockey League. And uh, now, of course, Portland uh, in uh, in the WHL. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, uh, it was a tremendous performance by him. Uh, even uh, when uh, the Russians went ahead 3-1, to one, you st- as much as you thought, oh, man, you know, it's going to get away from them. Uh, but that goal by uh, Connor McMichael uh, very early afterwards, just 34 seconds later, uh, I thought kind of planted the seed of doubt maybe in the Russians' minds a little bit and certainly injected Canada for sure. And then he had that play over when uh, it was an empty net and the puck was coming down and he he was in on the action and fired it back down. And I thought, he's going for a goal here. Like He was, <laughs> yeah. just, he was yeah. just on every single moment. I thought it was amazing. And there was at one point in the third period, I kept yelling like, how, how many minutes has it been since the whistle? It was so fast yeah. and so back and forth. It felt like it, felt like it had been an eternity yeah. since there was a pause in play. Just in control. That was the big thing that I, uh, I watched from from him. He did not ever appear to be skittish or nervous or uh, utilizing any extra movement. And boy, that has such a calming effect on uh, on a team. And you know, there was another Manitoban who mm-hmm. had an incredible game yesterday, and that's Brandon Knight, Kalen Addison, the defenseman from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Three assists, including the one for Barrett Hayton that set up the tying goal. Uh, Addison had himself quite a tournament, too. It was neat to see the camaraderie, the the sportsmanship, uh, the Russian players going over and shaking hands with the Team Canada players ahead of really the designated time to do so. There was a lot of interaction. Neat to see Nikolai Habibulin, the former jet netminder, the goaltender coach uh, for Russia. But there was it wasn't without controversy yesterday. There was that puck that went over the glass and hit a camera, and it was ruled not a, a puck-over-glass penalty. Right, yeah, and, and and I thought Bob McKenzie from TSN gave probably the best explanation of all in that the International Ice Hockey Federation rules state that if a puck hits the scoreboard or some part of the arena, that it's not a penalty. And so they deemed the TSN center ice camera, which is set behind the glass, as something akin to a scoreboard. Well... Realistically, Canada should have been two men short, mm-hmm. uh, and that should have been delay of the game. So, but you know, I, there have been times over the years where our country has caught a bad break here and there. So the <laughs> hockey sure. gods were smiling on I us. I laughed yesterday. at all the people commenting on Twitter and whatnot, like that camera is a hero. <laughs> like, <just, laughs> it's thrown itself in front of the puck yeah. to save the day, yeah. right? You know, and, and Akil Thomas. You know, speaking of heroes, here's a kid that spent almost the entire game on the bench. I think he played something like four minutes, uh, but gets a chance. Uh, what it matters most, and uh, gets to that loose puck. And, of course, the neat backstory on him is, A, he was born in Florida. His dad, Khalil Thomas, I remember he was a journeyman minor leaguer throughout his career. Uh, but Akil was born in Florida, so he could have played down in the United States. Oh, that's neat. And he's also, he's an incredible kid, as as all of them are. But 
when he was 13, he started designing clothing. Three years ago, he and his buddy launched a clothing line. It's called Zale Apparel. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's not complete fashion, but uh, I, I'm guessing a few more people will be poking around the Zale Apparel uh, website in Canada after what Akil did yesterday. Any truth to the rumor that the camera is actually related to the crossbar at Mosaic Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> just no, just but, question. I think we should introduce them both. They make a great couple. Speaking of bad calls, Winnipeg Jets and St. Paul on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Connor Hellebuck losing his first start in the afternoon. Uh, The Jets dug their own grave to a certain extent. They were outshot 2-1 to overall in the game, but the referees did not help. No, the referees didn't help, but let's give Minnesota credit. They did carry the play on that game for sure, and Connor Hellebuck was outstanding uh, with a 41-save effort. But, but... There were two or three very blatant plays that should have been penalties, especially, especially when the call that was made on Blake Wheeler stood as a as a two-minute minor. That was inconsequential compared to the three plays that the referees let go. And then, of course, there was the goaltender interference. I have no idea now what constitutes goaltending interference after that went to review and uh, they uh, said, nope. It's a good goal. That, I just that don't looks have a clue. like textbook yeah. goaltender interference in my yeah. mind. Stride, push. 100%. So how did yeah. Paul Maurice react to that? Because I saw some people wondering if he'd do all, pull a John, a John Tortorella? Tor- Tortorella and kind of lose it on the, the officiating. Well, he said, I'm not going to give the NF- NHL yeah. one penny. Yeah. So he declined to, he, to go off. Right, a lot he, of the fans fined, right? on social media were saying, let's start a, a, you know, a, a GoFundMe fu- go yeah. to, to pay for his fine so that he could say whatever he wanted. Yeah, the, the one thing I will say this, though, like as frustrating as it is right now, especially because, you know, with just two wins in nine games, the Jets have now dropped below the playoff line on the Western Conference. And now even Chicago, Minnesota, Nashville are all within four points of the Jets at the bottom end of the Central Division standings. That's what this slump has done. However, there's going to come a time, I'm I'm confident of this, uh, over the next 40 or so games, where the Jets are going to get a break like that. It just it, it all evens out over the course of a long hockey season. Doesn't make you feel any better now. Doesn't make <laughs> you feel any better now. But if it happens during a real pivotal game later on, then, well, let's just say things tend to even out. Well, and then going from one Minnesota team involving a questionable call to another in the, the NFL playoffs, the Minnesota Vikings defeating the New Orleans Saints. But it was okay, overtime. Brett. It was the Vikings. <laughs> so so we're, we're good. Because <laughs> we're okay Vikings. with that one Minnesota team <laughs> cheating and not the yeah, other. Exactly. So the Vikings beat the Saints, but there yeah. was the question uh, as to whether or not it was an offensive push-off, offensive yeah. pass interference on that winning touchdown. What, what do you think? I, I thought it was offensive pass interference for sure. There is definitely a push there uh, that created the space uh, for that ball to fall in. Uh, and you have to feel for the New Orleans Saints. Holy crows, they're like Sweden of the World Junior Hockey Tournament. You know, how they have great regular seasons. And then, for whatever reason, things happen to them in the playoffs. Of course, there was that bad non-call last year against the L.A. Rams. This one was a little bit closer. But again, you know, I, I like the way Sean Payton, their head coach, handled it. He said, I have no complaints. Minnesota played better than we did today. They deserve to win the football game.
Yeah, so, they, yeah. They, they missed. There was a missed field goal at one point during the game, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, but to answer your point, though, Brett, for sure, uh, there. Uh, I, I thought there should have been a penalty call on the play. I I, I wasn't as sure about uh, those who think that perhaps Jadavian Clowney of the Seattle Seahawks should have been penalized for the hit on Carson Wentz. It was helmet to helmet, but Wentz was running. He did not slide. He did not give himself up. Yeah, when you see it in slow motion, Greg, it doesn't look good. In real time, I mean, Clowney's just trying to make a play. I'll uh, look back at it in real time because I confess the only replay I saw of it was in slow motion. It did look to me like Wentz was giving himself up and that Clowney went head first into him. So uh, I don't suspect we're going to see anything supplemental on this. But no. there are a lot of people uh, seeing it to the contrary, yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. And it's all all how you view it. And, and, it, and it was helmet to helmet. But, but again, Wentz was a running back there. He was not a quarterback in that particular instance. So in the meantime, we now have to shift our attention to what is happening in Australia. Yeah, and the pictures that are coming out of Australia, I think, are continuing to shock and amaze us in some ways. There's not just the millions of acres that have been burned and at least 20 people that have been killed in those fires. There are now reports this morning that there are so many animals and livestock that have been badly burned that some might have to be euthanized. Watching it all unfold from this distance is Peter Munn. He's an Australian now living in Winnipeg and is also president of Manitoba's Down Under Club. And he joins joins us this morning. Good morning, Peter. Yeah, good morning, good morning. What's going through your head, Peter, as you wake up each morning and check those headlines and see what some of your loved ones might be going through? Well, um, I'm actually checking them every night and uh, during the day. And it's, uh, you know, obviously very, very scary stuff for a lot of people that are living on that uh, south, on that uh, east coast of Australia. Um, you know, my own family has been impacted there. And uh, as you said, it's uh, it's been a terrible time of destruction and it's potentially the worst is yet to come. How have your family been impacted, Peter? Can you tell us if they've been evacuated or is it more just the smoke in the air or what are they going through? Uh, my, my family is on the uh, far south coast of uh, New South Wales. Uh, my brother, he decided or uh, his family decided for him that uh, is actually living uh, in a bushy area, but uh, he, for the last uh, three or four days and for the next week or so, has gone into the township. So he's staying, uh, you know, very, very close to the to the uh, water. And uh, one of my nieces, who lived uh, in a place called Mystery Bay, which also is on the uh, far south coast of New South Wales, was evacuated about a week ago. Uh, has been moved twice and uh, still hasn't gone home. So, Peter, th- this isn't uncommon. They call it fire uh, season or bushfire season for a reason. That's because uh, you can pretty much set your watch by it. But this is unprecedented this year. D- do we know more why? I know what they're saying in the broad sense, but in terms of the conversations you're having with, with your family, with your friends about this, uh, what is the discussion uh, the discussion is that, you know, this is as bad as bushfires have been for a long, long time. Uh, a couple of events have, have made it worse. Uh, the East Coast is exceptionally dry. And there's a uh, phenomenon in the Indian Ocean. It's called the Indian Ocean Dipole, where, uh, you know, differing sea temperatures create a very hot wind, right, that blows from the West Coast 
picks up even more heat going through the centre of Australia and then eventually gets to the east coast and, and that is causing a lot of the havoc that's happening today. When you see that, what's the hardest part for you in terms of the loss that you've seen or the concern that you just have for loved ones? What's been the hardest thing to witness or observe in the pictures and video for you? Uh, I, I, I think the hardest thing is that uh, this could very well be the new normal. And it's been horrendous what we've seen. Uh, the worst uh, bushfire season, right, is still to come in January and February. And, uh, you know, heavens forbid that uh, the east coast of Australia has to put up, you know, with the same type of fire situation because of, uh, you know, the enormous uh, heat and winds that are, uh, you know, hitting that area. So as as you watch from this distance, I know there'll be many Australians in Canada or Canadian Australians trying to think, well, what can I do for to help? So is there efforts underway with your group, the Down Under Club, or links that you're trying to send people to to see, do what they can to help folks down there? Uh, the, we, we have a, uh, a, a website. It's uh, www.downunderclub.mv.ca. And uh, on there is listed uh, the various organisations, including the Red Cross of Australia, that can uh, take donations, right, if people so wish. Do you agree with the criticism that's being hurled at Australia's Prime Minister for not acting quickly enough? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the man is a, you know, he, he now denies it, but the man is a climate change denier. And uh, unfortunately, Australia still... Uh, coal uh, still mines a lot of coal, still uses a lot of coal. So um, for head of population, Australia is doing more than its, uh, unfortunately, more than its fair share of contributing to uh, global warming. Peter, when you uh, when you talk to people who decide to move from Australia and, and come to Canada, I think there are tons of Canadians that if they could pick one place to move, it might be Australia if you weren't going to stay in Canada. Are the brush fires and these concerns about them near the top of the list for reasons that, that people might be immigrating away from your home country? I, I, I would expect that would have to be the case. Um because if you see pictures of, uh, you know, the devastation, uh, I'm sure that would be a major reason for people to say, maybe let's not go there. All right, Peter Munn, president of Manitoba's Down Under Club, joining us now. Thank you so much for your time, Peter. All right, you're welcome. But one of the biggest stories at CJOB.com has to do Loren McNabb with the young man who suffered a tragic injury during an MMJHL hockey game. Yeah, December 19th, St. Vital Victoria's player Reese Kettler collided with an opposing player and went headfirst into the boards during that MMJHL game. He suffered four fractured vertebrae, and we've since learned that after he was carried off ice on the stretcher, he underwent surgery for a spinal cord injury, and as a result, he is now paralyzed from the chest down as a result of that injury he sustained in that game. 
There has been some positive news out of this in the sense that a GoFundMe has been launched on behalf of a family and it's since raised over $165,000, Greg, as part of its uh, $250,000 goal. Yeah, Trevor Kettler is Reese Kettler's father and he joins us live now on 680 CGOB. And Trevor, thank you so much for making some time for us this morning so we can convey to you on behalf of so many of our listeners our our support and and uh, our, our best wishes for Reese. How's Reese doing this morning? And, and how are you today? Uh, it's been a bit of a blur for the last two weeks, as you can imagine. Pardon me. Um, you know, our, our focus has primarily been on Reese and his recovery. And, you know, we're taking it day by day. Uh, we're in a territory that we've never been before and wouldn't wish on anybody. Uh, but uh, we're, we're looking at this uh, one day at a time so it doesn't get too overwhelming. And uh, we're celebrating the small victories as they occur. And, and there have been some small ones where, you know, just two weeks ago, he was in uh, a hospital bed with ventilation tubes in him and, and lots of uh, uh, apparatus hooked up to him. And now he's uh, interacting with us. He's uh, texting with some buddies. He's meeting with some friends. And he's going to physiotherapy and spending some time in a wheelchair. So, um uh, Bit by bit, we're uh, we're seeing progress, and we're happy happy about that. You know, I was saying this morning. You know, I've got kids myself who play hockey, and all of us have been involved in sport in some way or another. And you you, you imagine these scenarios as a mom or dad at some point, in the sense that you know it could happen, but then it does happen to you, Trevor. And I'm wondering what went through you and your wife and your family's head after in the moments after that injury, thinking, "Are we here now? Are we in this moment where it actually is happening to us?" It is very surreal. It's uh, it's nothing you can prepare for, and like you like you said, it, it's something that's in the back of your mind. And uh, we we've all been to games where there's been an awkward hit into the boards, and you think, oh wow, that was bad, and and you see them crumple to the ice, and then moments later they get up, and uh, it, it's a refreshing to see that. Obviously, that didn't happen this time, and. Um, it's our new reality, but uh, we're going to get through this. And Reese uh, is such a super strong um, individual, and uh, he's he's got his eyes. Right now, his goal is to get out of the hospital, and uh, he's working hard to get to that point. What kind of changes do you have to make, uh, for example, in your home? We really don't know. Um, we haven't even looked at that at this point. Um, our focus is just on Reese and his uh, getting better day by day and his rehabilitation. We've obviously seen this uh, in the community uh, at large from across the country with the tragedy with the Humboldt Broncos, Canadians, Manitobans, Winnipeggers come together and trying times. The, the support you're getting from the community right now has to be overwhelming on top of the overwhelming situation you already find yourself in, Trevor. The sport is overwhelming. Um, I, I've <clears throat> passively seen a few stories out there and stuff, and some are saying that the family has been uh, has launched this GoFundMe campaign, and it's far from the truth. We haven't launched anything. Friends have done it on our behalf. <clears throat> We're extremely grateful for it. Um, and one of the the side things that have come out of this is just the. It's not so much the money it's the support that's coming out of it and the the words of encouragement and uh <clears throat> Reese really 
we're leaving a lot of this uh, uh, information sharing. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Information sharing decisions up to Reese because it is about him and it is going to affect him. And he really does want to get his story out there, and he wants uh, people to be aware. And he he does enjoy the encouragement that he's getting. He's been um, he didn't look at his phone for the first few days. He just said, you know, my phone's probably blowing up. I I'm in a lot of pain. I just want to get better here. And then eventually he looked at his phone and he says, Hey, mom and dad, I've got over three, four hundred messages, whatever it was. And he's been picking away at some of those messages. Um, and he's getting lots of words of encouragement. Uh, he's got, uh, he's been getting some messages from across the country into the U S Finland, all over. He's, uh, uh, he's very encouraged by that. It's wonderful to hear that outpouring of support, Trevor. What is the prognosis right now in terms of that diagnosis paralyzed from the chest down? What does, what will that mean for him as you know it right now, understanding that that could possibly change too with every day? Uh, I really don't know. We haven't met with the spinal cord rehab people yet, so we're waiting uh, on some meetings with them. Uh, all, like I said before, we're taking it day by day. And um, the, the little bit of information that we have been given is uh, <clears throat> changes can occur within the first year. So uh, really, that's all we know. One of our listeners was asking as well, I mean, and I realize, you know, right, right now you're focused on his recovery and, and not so much the money, but uh, are there any insurance options through the, the league or through, through Hockey Manitoba? Uh, I think there is some. We haven't explored that yet either. Uh, my understanding is we have some time, so we're, that's being looked at on our behalf. <laughs> And I also understand as well that uh, you had uh, a Christmas vacation planned that had to be changed. Where were where were you guys going to go? We were going to go to Hawaii, but uh, we'd much rather be here right now. I have no doubt about that. Well, thank you very much, Trevor, for sharing what you guys have been going through. I know it's hard to have this such a private moment and a personal and deeply uh, emotional moment go public like this, but it's through the public that hopefully you'll get some help in terms of whatever you need going forward. Thank you very much. Thanks, Trevor. Please give uh, Reese our best uh, on our behalf. And the, the, we've just received dozens of messages here in support, and it's just uh, it's overwhelming for us as well. Uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba comes through again. Thanks for this. Yes, thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, two of the three M's are parents. And McNabb, I'm going to ask you first, which... One is easier to get the kids back to school, out of summer or out of the winter break? Yeah, that I would say summer, just because it's you're so deeply entrenched into it, and and usually I've had more time off in the summer, so personally the whole family takes a hit. But Christmas is different this year because of the way the days fell, and so I think we all feel a little bit out of the norm, like our whole routine for the whole family is off. And so it was, it felt like a longer than two weeks and not in a bad way. We had a fabulous time and we used every single day that we had off or all the moments we have with the kid to do as much kids as much as possible. But, um, because we had like those middle of the day weeks days off, I feel like as parents, we're also not quite on the ball. And so the, we, the whole family feels kind of disoriented. Mackling. Yeah. It felt like a really a genuine 10 or 12 day holiday celebration because of when the, 
Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day fell in the middle of the week. Then you had your regular weekend obligations and then trying to squeeze in some extra activities because the the kids are off and you want to take advantage of those things. So I think it was easier probably to get them going today than it would be in the summertime though, because it's such a long break in the summer and, you know, the sun is still up when they go to bed Mm. in September. So I think that makes it a lot more difficult. At least, you know, it's dark when they go to bed at this time of year. So I would say this is a little bit easier, even though, uh, there's so much excitement compacted into that two weeks. Now, I did ask the question on our 680CJOB Instagram story. Got any tips for McNabb for lunch for the kids now that they're back to school? Got a couple. One is uh, from Kristen and Abby who say, we got bento boxes for our kids from Amazon, and they were great for packing a variety. I have no idea what a bento box is. It's like a lunch kit that, um, depending on, you could get them super fancy where they have like clickable layers in terms of what you can bring in the lunch, but it's like a, like a high-end Tupperware container that has dividers in it, right? So in one section, you could have a bigger section where maybe the pasta or sandwich or whatever would go, and then over here oh you could put vegetables, God. and then you could put your, your fruit. You could also have sections. There's some that they'll have a section for like the dip that might go into it, and then if you get really high-end, they'll... they'll the, they can stack, and so you can click them so that this top might be the the snack, and then the middle layer would be the lunch, and then the I don't own those. <laughs> that would make yeah, that would just make the act of eating fun. It oh, it's, it's oh, brilliant. Yeah. We've had these in our house for four or five years. In fact, I think we bought the first set at Target in the in in the states when the boys were in grade two or grade three. Sort of the homemade lunchables idea. Right, Oscar Mayer and and the different uh, uh, food uh, manufacturers have these lunchables with the crackers and the cheese and mm-hmm. the meat and the and the dessert all in one box. It's all crap, but <laughs> this way, this way you can control what it is. It's, you know, it can be your homemade meat. It can be uh, maybe healthier decisions with regard to fruits and vegetables, which is what we what we've done. Uh, Jackie told me the other day, I haven't made a lunch in forever. My kids haven't had a sandwich in their lunch in about two and a half years. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they just, they don't, they're not big on the sandwiches. So they have, that's exactly how they eat is this bento box style with a little bit of everything, almost tapas. And uh, they have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then every once in a while, uh, the thermos comes into play and soup and or pasta so, yeah, uh, I don't know how Jackie does it, but she manages to pull it off. The thing about how you pack lunches these days is that if your kids are younger, like the bento, like a bento box, or even I have a good Tupperware sandwich container like the, that was $12 alone, the bento box can be like 40 bucks. So when your kid's seven and you're sending them to school with this $40 like container, it just... That's not making it home by by the end of the year. Oh, so, there's lots of consternation about like, the, leaving the house. There's no question. Somewhere I think in every school is some sort of weird like you know how you lose your socks yes. or you lose pens. <laughs> I feel like somewhere in every single school there's some sort of side hallway or vortex that sucks in Tupperware containers <laughs> mitts, and mitts and, yeah, and hoodies. Like all sorts of things that you just like, this makes no sense. Where could it be? And then you, you go back every, every time they do in-service, they have a table full of the all these and odds and ends, right? Like take a look to see if any of your kids' stuff is there and sweaters have disappeared and Tupperware containers and lunch kits. And I look at that table, not there. 
So there's like a there's a hole. There's a there's a odds and ends sucking hole that's taking all these things. I swear to it. I'm just thinking of this now. Maybe we need to check Kijiji and the Facebook Marketplace. Maybe there's a black market for all this Tupperware some, that's some going missing. Some pretty genius kid is like, sl- like slipping yeah. in a couple little uh, squeeze bottles or for the dip sauce. You never know. No, no, I'm not blaming the custodian. Has the know. hardest job in the school. I know. <laughs> hey, Tony Baloney Ten. By the way, his response on Instagram for you is skip the dishes. Could you imagine that? <laughs> oh. Kids just order a massive pizza party for their whole class. <laughs> but hang on, Anita's just sent me a link to a $13 bento box. She may have just said that save the day. Look at that. Listener Anita, thank you. Apple roared into the the TV game with a morning show, a superb drama, yeah. A superb drama about the importance of dignity and doing the right thing, made by a company that runs sweatshops in China. So, well, you say you're woke, but the companies you work for, I mean, unbelievable. Apple, Amazon, Disney. If ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So, if you do win an award tonight, Don't use it as a a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and f*** off, okay? So... Chris Jenselowitz is a global news entertainment reporter and joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Chris, good morning to you, sir. Morning. So, How was that? That was funny, eh? I liked that bit. I, I, I quite enjoyed Ricky Gervais, but what, what was your opinion? Because the host job is often the thankless job of the show, right? Yeah, and you know, and I went into this thinking, you know what, Ricky Gervais is going to step on toes. He's going to do the usual feather ruffling that he normally does. Um, but I found that particular, I'm glad you picked that particular segment just because I found that to be incredibly cathartic to hear because nothing is more, um, numbing and frustrating than hearing these billionaires and millionaires tell you what to do with your life. You know, we watch these celebrities and we idolize them and everything, but it becomes another thing when it becomes lecturing from the podium. Um, so, you know, in that, in that sense, I 100% agreed with Ricky Gervais. It's interesting you say that it just prompted a whole debate in our newsroom this morning about whether or not celebrities have the right to get up there. You know, some of them are intelligent. They put they put on film or on TV great pieces that address all sorts of issues. So why can't they use that as a moment? But you're on the side of saying, you know, keep it to yourself. I think in cases like, you know, for, uh, multiple celebrities, at least five or six, um, made mention of the Australian bushfires, which, you know, that drawing attention to certain uh, important issues. Yeah, I absolutely 100 percent agree with that. It's just more when we get into like any sort of moral or ethic territory, ethical territory, where I feel like, you know what, that's a little over the line. You guys really don't live in the world that the average person lives in. So it's kind of difficult for us to take your advice on, on things of, on that level. But, you know, I, I definitely think something like brought to bringing attention to the wildfires is is a beneficial thing for sure. Last time I checked, Ricky, Ricky Gervais was a uh, was a celebrity himself and makes a pretty good chunk of money <laughs> doing it. So he was uh, demanding that others in the room not make a political speech while he was making two or three of them. You know, and that's why we probably got a lot of eye rolls from the celebrities. Um, uh, an infamous shot from last night is Tom Hanks. 
uh, kind of like, I don't know, exasperated, rolling his eyes. Um, you know, that's why they react that way to Ricky, because, you know, yes, he is a celebrity and yes, he is famous. And yes, he has tons of money. So, you know, it's kind of, it's a little hollow coming from him, but he's a comedian after all. Right. Well, I joked this morning when I came in. What was it, Brett? Two shows, I think, of all the ones nominated. Two I have actually seen. And so it's a whole new world we've entered here. I actually said, oh, wow, conventional TV didn't win anything. And Brett's like, no, conventional TV didn't get nominated for anything, Correct. let alone win. So we're, we're now in a whole new territory where streaming reigns supreme. That's right. And uh, the Golden Globes are known historically for, like, strange winners. They often pick the the outlier. They'll pick the the long shot um and then what you'll see here and happened last night again is there's always a wide variety of winners so you don't really have the same movies winning more than once you don't really have the same shows winning more than once occasionally you do but it's uh it's sparing so uh, you'll see a wide variety but the most interesting thing that came out of last night was netflix going in as the clear front runner with 34 nominations and it came out with two which is a huge, almost like a snub. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I, don't, I can't tell if it's deliberate or not, but uh, it's a pretty glaring uh, difference there. Yeah, Laura Dern winning for Marriage Story for Best Supporting Actress, and then Olivia Coleman winning for The Crown for Best Actress in a TV Drama. And uh, <clears throat> other streaming services did well. Amazon uh, picked up a couple of awards. Hulu picked up a couple of awards. Have you seen one of the Hulu shows that won was uh, Rami Youssef winning for uh, winning an acting award for his show Rami? And he even pointed out in his speech, he yeah. said, you, "I know you guys haven't seen my show. You're probably, probably wondering who is this guy? Is he an editor? Have you seen Rami? Because I know you can watch it in Canada on Crave." Yeah, I'm going to be straightforward with you. No, I have not watched it. Yeah. There's absolutely way too many shows right now, and and that that win was a big surprise. But good for him for saying that on stage. Good for him. So many choices, Chris. How do you, uh, the one of the couch potatoes, uh, Brett McGarry is one of our co-hosts, and the other couch potato reads the news for us. So we have the benefit of having them at our disposal all the time with regard to, to getting uh, suggestions as to what to watch and to what to consume our time with uh, when we have it. How do you decide what to watch? Oh, it's so hard. Um, you know, I have at least a list of at least a dozen shows that I haven't even broken into, which I'm not going to admit on this call. Um, <laughs> but there, there, there's a ton of them that I have not seen. And I actually get embarrassed because it's for my job. Right. But uh, it's just with the number of streaming services starting up and, you know, the number of shows they're all putting out. Netflix continues to put out, you know, original films is their new priority and they've got a ton of shows. It's so hard to pick. So generally, you know, if I hear something coming down the pipe, sounds really interesting. Uh, it's got a great cast. Then, of course, I'm going to check it out. But one example is, uh, for example, Apple TV's The Morning Show um, is something I haven't uh, even tried to watch just based on I think it's too similar to my daily life. <laughs> I wanted to watch that, Chris, but I lost my Apple TV remote a couple of weeks ago and I, oh. I'll be darned if I can figure out where it is. <laughs> That's an issue. <laughs> it is. It's hard. Brett, you've talked before about the anxiety of trying to keep up with all that's out there because as part of our your show, Couch Potatoes, you want to, A, but you like it. But it's it's almost like this. everyone's talking about it and you can't figure out where to go. Yeah, well, I mean, I, there was one year where I counted up how many television shows I watched, Chris, and you probably watch more than I do. I, one year I watched 65 shows. And I barely, that was all scripted television, except maybe for Survivor and The Amazing Race. But that barely scratched the surface because there's like over 400 options out there. Yeah, it's it's just, it's almost impossible to say. Like I have, fr I have friends who are full-time TV critics and even they, there's not enough hours in the day to consume 
everything and they kind of go a little nuts. <laughs> you know, it's like it's streaming for, you know, 48 hours at a time is, is tough, you know. You don't even really take in the show at that point either. You're just binging kind of mindlessly. Well, I think that's the same with sports these days. There are so many options and and you get them all and you simply cannot watch everything. So you have to pick and choose and and sort of specialize. Is TV, and I'm using that in a broad sense, Chris, is it as good or better than it has ever been? I think we're in a different sort of golden age. You know, everyone says a couple of decades ago in the 90s, it was in this golden era, uh, you know, these wonderful sitcoms and dramas and um now I think what's happening is just because there's such a variety, we're in a different sort of golden age where, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's not great, but then there's also a lot of stuff that's really great. And then there's stuff that's just mediocre right in the middle. Um, so, yeah, what what is interesting, though, for sure, is I have to say that network TV uh, is probably feeling the pressure right now. I just think that it's a lot. Uh, network TV has a lot of restrictions and things that, uh, these cable and streaming services do not. So I think it's, you know, a whole new landscape for both TV and movies. It'll and be for, interesting to see what happens. And for consumers, right, who are trying to make the choices of now which streaming service or which cable provider or which one do I go through because the choices are endless. And if you want to hit all these shows that won last night or even half of them, you have to have at least four different subscriptions. Yep. And what's interesting is um, of all the, you know, if you're looking at TV, basic TV, um, HBO was the big winner. It had four wins last night. So, you know, HBO seems to be the only network that's really uh, like keeping its claws in the game. Um, But, you know, we all know how uh, the high production values at HBO, too. Pretty nuts. Yeah, HBO, I think, consistently over the years remains, in my opinion, the best uh, overall sort of creator of good content, not just, not not like, pardon me, not just good content, but great content. Uh, They just do. Have you seen Succession? Yeah, see, that's one that I've like caught a few episodes, but I haven't been able to just sit down and watch the whole thing from beginning to end. But I know how great it is, I hear. Endlessly, how great it is! You need to be committed to it. That's part of the thing with that with that show is you need to sort of submerge and emerge yourself in that family and and be a part of it in order, I think, to appreciate it. Because I started it in fits and starts, and then I went back and started watching it from the beginning, and I am enjoying it the second time around much better. Uh, Chernobyl was a great one, though. Oh, so uh, good earlier this year. So then that one best limited series. So I was pleased. Three. I saw three. There you go. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> three shows. About, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I got super excited there. You named Chernobyl. And I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but you know what? I'm counting it. Three out of 400. That, that totally counts. Absolutely counts. <laughs> Chris Jen Selowitz, Global News Entertainment Reporter, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chris, thank you as always for the time. Much appreciated, sir. Anytime. Anytime. And if you want to read Chris's full summary of the Golden Globes, go to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. We have linked it there, including the full list of winners. Also worth pointing out that 1917 won the best motion picture drama. That movie opens this weekend. That's the World War I drama. It beat out The Irishman and Marriage Story, both Netflix nominees up for movie. And then uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the best motion picture musical or comedy. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at 
Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.